Well, good morning. Welcome this morning. It's good to uh, see everyone. Hopefully you had that extra hour. You didn't just burn it and stay up a longer, you know, one more hour longer and then lose it. So refreshed uh, from the the night's rest, hopefully. It's good to see you on this Lord's Day. Welcome to uh, another week of starting points for Christian ethics. Beautiful Lord's Day morning. Let me, uh, I want to just open in prayer and then uh, then we'll actually look at a handful of scripture to kind of guide our thinking um, this morning. So let me just pray for our time. Our Father, we're indeed grateful for your care in our lives overnight as we slumber. We know that you never slumber or sleep, that you are always watching over and ordaining and orchestrating and keeping um, your people and your world. And we rest in that, that you are a shield and a help and a protector. Thank you for this Lord's Day, the beautiful uh, day that you have created for us, that we may gather and enjoy fellowship one with another, to come before you with praises and singing, to pray and to worship, to hear your word. I pray that all of these elements this morning would bring great glory to you and honor. It may be edifying to your people. We would be built up and changed because of our time together this morning. We, help, we ask for your help uh, this morning here in this class, that you would indeed grant us wisdom. So we think about ethics and decision-making, that you would guide our thinking as we think and bless our time. So we commit these things to you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's start in Philippians chapter 1. I want to look at about just three quick passages and... Um, and then hopefully that'll be a little bit of a guide for what we're, where we're headed uh, in our time. So Philippians chapter 1, and starting in verse 3. And as I read, we're just going to read 3 through 11, but as I read, I want you to pay particular attention to verses 9 through 11. So the end of that passage there, uh, what is being said. And we'll see if we can capture a theme in these next several passages. So Philippians 1, 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers of me, or with me, of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now here I want you to zone in, verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to look back at verse 9. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and all discernment. That word is what I want to key in on this morning, discernment. 
Anybody have any thoughts on that word, discernment, what that means? To be discerning, what discernment is? The ability to make a wise judgment between what, not just good and bad, but what is best and better. Okay. Wise judgment, the ability to make a wise judgment. Discernment, uh, it does involve indeed wisdom, insight, uh, capacity to understand what's happening and to be able to apply what you know, to apply the application of knowledge, um, precise, preci- precision. Um, there was this phrase uh, as you're thinking about uh, what's happening in a certain situation, to be able to really hone in on, on something and to be able to touch the thing with a needle be able to really get to the very core and the very essence of what is going on. And so uh, discernment is, there are a few chairs scattered about. Uh, and we might, brother David, you might check with an usher to see if we can get more chairs. If you don't mind, I mean, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't mind, thank you. Let's go to uh, James chapter 1. So keep that in mind. James chapter 1, you're familiar with this as well. James chapter 1, starting verse 5. And we'll just read the three verses there, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose... Uh, He will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Back to verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. So we're thinking about discernment, thinking about the application of wisdom, but we're called to cry out for wisdom, to ask for wisdom in uh, the situations that we're involved with. Okay, so Philippians, James, now turn back to Isaiah. And let's, uh, maybe we can bring this together. Isaiah chapter 11. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 11. And uh, we're moving toward the holidays here. This is usually a text, 11 verse, chapter 11, verse 1, is usually a text that is read, thinking about the coming Messiah, Christmas. But I want you to capture and see how the root of Jesse, this branch of Jesse, is described. This would be the description of our coming Lord, Jesus Christ. This is a foreshadowing. Notice how he is described. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and his, just the first part of verse 3, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So Jesus Christ, how is He described in this 
prophetic vision of Isaiah. One who is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Who has the spirit of counsel and might. Who has the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight is in the fear of the Lord. Looking to Christ for wisdom. As he is wisdom. He is understanding. He has the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. So that's today's theme. All of all of that to describe or to think about, that's today's theme. I want to think about wisdom and discernment. Because last week, if you remember, I, start, I, I ended our time. I said, let's talk about, let's begin talking about decision making. How are we going to make decisions uh, with all wisdom as we have to discern what is happening in our world, and when we are confronted with ethical choices. How shall we make decisions? What goes into decision-making? And I want you to see discernment and asking for wisdom and looking to Christ, who is our wisdom. Uh, he is our wisdom from God. Okay, so that's, our, that's where we're headed. Any thoughts off top from any of that? Questions? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. <clears throat> All right. So, a uh, quick review. Last week, uh, we talked about the mutually uh, reinforcing interaction between three things. The, the, our goal, right? The goal of ethics is the glory of God. And we had three-part goal, character goal, behavior goal, and results goal. This is just review. All right? And so, we said there's this mutually reinforcing interaction. Do you recall this? Do you remember? that they work one together with one another, that as character produces behavior, behavior produces fruits, results. Those results, if you see a positive outcome of that behavior, those results reinforce uh, the behavior that I follow, the actions, the habits that I have. That behavior builds back into character, and they're all working together. Do you recall this? Maybe we did have an extra hour of sleep. Last night, right? So that's review from last week. We talked about there were 17 blessings and joys from obedience. 17, we listed them. Do you remember some of those? Talk through that. Just to give us uh, some encouragement as we obey. And we talked a little bit about bearing fruit. And I introduced a new uh, definition for ethics. Okay, Remember our, our constant definition that we've had is ethics is what does the whole Bible say? about those acts, attitudes, and character traits that are pleasing to God and those that are not. Remember this. And then I added a new definition. And the new definition is from John Frame, and I'll read it to you again. But it gets into decision-making, and it gets into wisdom. So this is the definition. Christian ethical decision-making is the application of God's revelation... All of this, the application of God's revelation to a problem, to, to a situation by a person. Okay, so you're taking, you, you can ask additional questions from that. So your three elements are the revelation of God, in other words, God's word, right? App applying God's revelation to a problem by a person. And we know this, this, this happens without us kind of thinking through these elements. But this is what um, I wanted to break down just a little bit. So the application of God's revelation. What does that mean? 
the application of God's revelation, to apply God's revelation. So I must begin to ask another question, or two, or however many, but then one of the chief questions is, is what has God said? What has God said? If I'm going to apply his revelation, if I'm going to apply his word to my situation, I've got to know what he said, right? So you ask that question, what has God said? And then you look at the situation, and we're talking about this, this overarching uh, desire to bring glory to God in all of our decision-making. And so, what has God said? And then in this, so the next question is, in, in this situation that I'm faced with, I'm confronted with, I've got to make a decision, we're talking about ethical decision-making, how can I bring glory to God? What has God said? And then in that, how might I bring glory to God? You follow this so far? What would be the right course of action that would bring glory to God in this situation? And then we said it's application of God's revelation to a problem by a person. So now we're talking about me. We're talking about the, the individual. And the question, and these all come, this is, None of this is mine. It, it really does come from uh, Dr. Grudem, Dr. Frame, and they're talking, they're thinking about ethics. But what has God said? How might I bring glory to God in this situation? And then when you're talking about the person, the question is how might I or how must I be changed in order to bring glory to God? What has to happen in my heart, in my character? in order for these things to play out, for me to bring glory to God? What rough edges need to be smoothed in my character? How might the Lord be using this to shape me to be more like Christ? Right? Are you following some of these diagnostic questions that you're asking as you're confronted with a situation? And um, these are usually the bigger questions of life, right? This is why I want to talk about those, because we haven't really done any applied ethics. But as we get to that, you want to begin to be thinking about these things. Christ-like character, virtue, all of that that we've talked about for the last six weeks. How do we bring that all to bear in our ethical decision-making? To be pursuing virtue like Christ. Uh, the blessings and the joys of obedience we talked about last week, to, to, to bear fruit, to avoid sin, to desire to please God and not displease the Lord, right? All of those things. And so it feels like, oh, you're, you're saying a lot of stuff here. How do we put this all together? And the answer is wisdom, right? Putting it all together is, is the wisdom and the discernment uh, that's going on in the decision making. Does that make sense? I'm going to stop. Any questions about that? I don't want it to be um, so technical and hard and sort of theological that it's like, well, I don't, I don't know how I'll ever, how do we ever make decisions in this life? You got all these things I got to think about. It's kind of like a golf swing, right? You got 38 things you got to think about as you're, as you're swinging the golf club, your stance, your grip pressure, all of this stuff. And some of that is muscle memory. So you swing the golf club, you guys who play golf, it's muscle memory. It's doing it so many times that you've 
become uh, skilled at it. And so I want to talk about wisdom. How would you define wisdom? We've sort of defined it a little bit when we talked about discernment. How else could we define wisdom? You think about scripture, you think about Proverbs, you think about the Psalms, you think about wisdom literature. How would we say again? Applied knowledge. Applied knowledge. So I, I have, I, I understand, I have a knowledge, I have an understanding of something, and then just like what we're saying in this definition, the application of God's revelation to a problem by a person takes wisdom. How else would you describe wisdom? Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. So, uh, Proverbs, you may have this memorized. I want to read it to you, Proverbs chapter uh, 9 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. What that presupposes, so as we're thinking, we're trying to bring all of this together, what does Scripture tell us? It presupposes a relationship with God to be truly wise. To uh, to have true applied understanding or applied knowledge, one has to be rightly related, in right relationship with God. It says here that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And some people will say, well, that is, well, that just, what does fear mean? What does it mean to fear the Lord? Let's just go one step further. On reverence. I hear voices, but I don't see them. <laughs> Good. Obedience. Obedience. Well, I, I think of the, the verse 2 in Hebrews 5 where he says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. In fact, by that time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary crews all over. You need milk. And then he says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an, uh, uh, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Yeah, the, the, That's the go ahead. process. Yeah, distinguishing good from evil, constant use. Who by this muscle memory, constant use, can distinguish good from evil, excellent things, those things that we saw in Philippians 1, the very beginning that we read. Fear of the Lord is an awe and is a reverence, is a practicing of obedience, is a desiring to please. All of the stuff that we've been talking about is actually coming together in this, in this concept of wisdom. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I have I a have hundred other things to talk about before we got to wisdom, and this is, this is good that we're, we're talking about this. We'll, we'll kind of come back and forth in, in our discussion of wisdom. Uh, one, sometimes... So you have applied knowledge. Uh, I've heard it uh, a lot said skill in living. And so sometimes people are skilled in certain vocations. And there is that aspect of it. There is this constant use. There is this skill, this ability. Um, But it is, uh, when you think of wisdom literature, if I may write this, Latin, 
coram Deo. Living life before the face of God. As we fear God, and I do think it is, uh, 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 I just lost it. I, I do think it is reverence, and it is respect, and it is worship. I do think it is fear. Like, it's okay, it's okay to say that. Uh, fear of Almighty God. Fear of His righteous anger against sin. Fear of displeasing Him. That's okay to say. It's okay to, be, to have that sort of fear. It, it is respect and awe and reverence and worship, and it is fear as well. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm confronted with this difficult question that I have to make a decision about, and that should be part of the calculus in my own spirit, in my own heart, is I don't want to displease God. I want, I want to obey. I want to please Him. Right? So, uh, skill and living, living life, coram Deo, this vertical aspect being rightly related to God before I can truly have wisdom. Um, seeking a right understanding, I'm just adding to this, uh, a right understanding of how to live rightly, righteously, rightly, are you following this, how to live righteously before God, okay, um, in his world, okay, so you're thinking of the creation and the fact that he is sovereign, sovereign God. So this is the fear part. Um, how do I live before God who I believe and, and trust to be sovereign? He's in control of all things. And how am I rightly thinking of him and his world, and where do I fit into that? Okay, this is part of wisdom. Wisdom literature does this. Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Psalm, Proverbs. They look at the world around them, and this is where chiefly we're going to be. This world right here is where we make decisions. But it's his world. It's God's world. It's not our world. Right? And so, how, how do I do all this? It takes, this is, this is wisdom. All right? So let me just add to, uh, add to all of this by adding a bunch more elements to see that we actually do need wisdom. When you make a decision or when you are confronted with a decision, what goes into that process? When you are confronted with, uh, and we're not, we're not talking about, you know, what... These, these smaller questions of life about what, uh, what to wear tomorrow or, or things like that. But we're, we're thinking about who, whom, should I, whom should I marry? Where shall I live? What church shall I go to? And then you get to other questions of in the more ethical nature. How do I think through artificial intelligence? How do I think through um, uh, in vitro fertilization? Okay, so one of the things that you want to look at is what are the impacts of this decision? What's another way to say impacts? Consequences, Consequences results. Okay, so you, you, you've got this before you, and I, I've got to consider what are the consequences, what are the results, what might happen. That's one thing that goes into that. What else? Prayer, Prayer? This, which is part of this um, um, 
I, I want to break this down into sort of the dynamics of the decision and then how do we, how do we have guidance? And I think prayer is part of the guidance question. What has God said that applies to, to this? Okay. What has God said? This is, the gui- this is part of the guidance, right? If I'm going to be confronted with a decision, how, I've got to pray. I want to, I want to seek the Lord on this. I want to know what God has said. It goes back to our definition, taking the application of God's revelation to a problem by a person. I want to apply God's re- So what has he said? So I need to know scripture. I need to know what is true. Okay. Walk in the Spirit. The Spirit of God is going to open that and give you an understanding of that. Okay. So guidance. Man, I want to get a list here. What do we have so far? We have uh, Scripture. We have prayer. We have being led by the Spirit. Now that's, right, we, we understand being led by the Spirit is, is having to have the Spirit of God in us. We have... That's why I, I thought it was interesting, even in that Philippians passage, if I can go back to that. Um, he says at the very beginning, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, the presupposes I, already, I have a relationship with Christ. He began a good work in me. I have the Spirit of God living in me. Uh, that way I can have discernment and approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness. That's that. Philippians passage. Okay, so I, I think we've, we've, we've shot over a few things on um, the decision. So we want to know what the consequences are. We're talking about how are we guided to get to those consequences or those results, but we've got to get back up just a little bit first. You have the actual action itself. Decide to go this way or that way, right? I have the, the, the actual action. And is this action, what I said earlier, is this action pleasing to the Lord? Is this action in line with obedience? Okay, so you have the action, uh, action, and you have the results. It's an N. You have the results. Anything else in here? That's part of the decision. Okay, yes, seeking wisdom. Seeking counsel, and I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to actually look at a few of these by, by way of Scripture. Um, let me see if that was there. I'm going to say that's, gui- that's part of the guidance process. <laughs> what about history, Paul? Like, what has happened to us when we made that decision in the past? Okay. What about our experiences? Okay. Yeah, you, this is great. You guys are doing good. I'm going to put that in guidance as well because you're, you're, calc- you're looking at the calculus. You're looking at uh, circumstance. You're looking at what has happened in the past. Historical, well, what, what has happened? I mean, it's a good question to ask. I, I mean, I've been confronted with something similar to this, or I know somebody who's been confronted with something similar to this, so I ask wise counsel. This is all part of the guidance process. So my self-understanding, uh, how has God wired me? Right, you're confronted with two job opportunities, both good opportunities. Both would be contributing to human flourishing, right? They're, they're, they're noble pursuits. <clears throat> part, of that, 
part of your decision making, you would, well, well, how has God wired me? I really actually don't like this, whatever this job description that they're giving. I, I, frankly, I don't, well, I don't want to do that the rest of my life. Is it okay to actually think in those terms as you're making a decision? Now, the way that God has created us, his giftings, the giftings that he's given us. So this is guidance. <laughs> okay, guys, you guys are doing great. I'm going to give, I'm going to give them to you. They're already, we've already talked about them. I think we're just, we're just getting right into here. And so your attitude, whoops, there's a lot of T's in there. And then uh, your motives. Okay, now this might, the motives might get into what you were saying. What, what are the motives of my heart? Like, I want to be a missionary. And this is, I'm just throwing this out and, on the fly here. I want to be a missionary. I want to go overseas. Well, what are my motives? Um, is there something in the back of my head that, that I have a wrong understanding of ministry and I think that mission, that God sees missionaries as better than plumbers or engineers or accountants or school teachers, right? And so my motivation, see how, I, see how you get into this. Motivation can be part of this decision making whether right or wrong but you got to consider it what are my motives you remember our definition i go back to attitude you remember our definition of of ethics what are those acts attitudes and character traits that are pleasing god and those that are not what is my attitude so parents you've been here i know you have because i've been here and you ask your children it's not really an ask. It's parents can do commands. It's good. And you, uh, you give the command to uh, clean your room to your children. And how is that received? How? What? Eye rolls. Oh, wait. Is that attitude? Is that a character trait? Is that a disposition of motive? Uh, say that the room, an hour and a half later, after much uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth and banging <laughs> around, you go up to inspect the room, and the, the room is spotless. I mean, fantastic. She did a great, she or he did a great job. Uh, but sh but sh she was grumbling the whole time. And uh, a bit, um, you know, angst against mom or dad in that decision or in that in that acting out of that uh, action we should say so do you see that attitude is a part of this um uh i do oh yeah well we know this from i was just looking at my note uh proverbs um there's much was i would i would highly and, and you know this but i would highly recommend you read proverbs for wisdom but proverbs 21 2 Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the whole time, what is the Lord doing? Weighing. He's weighing the heart. Every way of a man, their actions, what they're doing, seems right in his own eyes, but the Lord is always weighing the heart. There is much going on in the action and the results in between time the attitudes and the motives. You follow this? To consider. Uh, that was Proverbs 21.2. 
Um, the Lord is weighing the heart. In my motives, I must evaluate my desires. Am I doing this, whatever, X, Y, or Z? Am I doing this out of love for God? Am I doing this out of love for others? Am I doing this because it's pragmatic and it's expedient and I don't fear God, but I fear man? We're only supposed to fear one in this world, and that's God. We're not to fear man. But I find, even personally, um, that, that that sometimes is, is something that I wrestle with, the fear of man. And I'm making this decision because I'm worried about what will happen with this person here. And I'm not so concerned about what will happen with the Lord. Fear, what are my motives? And we, we understand that this, all of this is mixed, right? There's just this mixture of stuff going on here. Uh, they add, like, who can discern, like, even our own motives sometimes, like, Lord, am I, is this the right motive? Do I have the right motives? You find yourself asking that. Search me. Know me. Know my ways. Psalm 139. See if there's any wicked way in me. Uh, that I, you know, I want to be pleasing to you. Okay, so if these are the four dimensions of the act itself. The action our attitudes, our motives, and the results. All of that is part of... Any thoughts on that? And then I want to come back to all the guidance that you guys really came in on. Questions or any thoughts on that? Sure. Hmm. Yep. Absolutely. It is the catalyst. It is that which is the, 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 the thrust or the, the motive to turn away. I want to fear the Lord. Turn, turn, turn from evil. It's good. I think a, a critical part of that, too, is getting good counsel, you know, from other people, from, you know, other sources, and not simply doing it on your own. Yeah. So I want to, let's do this. So now we'll, we can make a list of guidance. Okay, those are the four dynamics of the decision-making process. The action, the attitude, the motives, and the, and the results. Now let's talk about guidance. And so one way of helping, I need help making this decision. I need wise counsel. So Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. All right. Similarly, um, just a few chapters over, Proverbs 15.22, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. The beauty of the church, the way that God has, has, create, has brought together this local expression of His body, is that He has provided us with brothers and sisters who have these vast experiences, they have knowledge, they have wisdom, and we can go to them and ask many counselors for wisdom. In fact, Paul says this in Romans, maybe Gary, I don't know, was that where you were reading? Uh, Romans fifteen fourteen. he says this, if I can find it, Paul speaking, and he says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers and sisters, 
that you yourselves are full of goodness, thinking about those whose hearts have been redeemed, uh, who have been given new hearts, you're full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and here it is, and able, able to instruct one another. So to be able to counsel, and, and you hear this sometimes in, in um, seminary circles, some of you are involved with biblical counseling, but you hear this phrase, to counsel the word. All right? So brothers and sisters who have been walking with the Lord, I think of Brother Gary, I think of others who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, and they know the word. And so counseling the word, being able to help others go back, you know, this is what the Lord says. And being able to point them as people make, as you have a troublesome decision that you need to make, to be seeking counsel. Brothers and sisters, you are able to instruct one another. Does that make sense? So this is, this is the body that the Lord has given us, these resources to be used um, in obedience. Okay, so wise counsel. Uh, that would even include your, your, your uh, elders. Right? To, to seek out um, elders. Start with Logan and Brent and Greg and come to the uh, What would be the first place to go in your decision making? Like, just Wikipedia. default, yeah. <laughs> Google. Oh, haven't we, we've made too much, right, of, of, of of Google. We've made too much of what, like, what, what should I do? Now, YouTube University is good for changing the oil and changing out a water heater, but don't go there for wisdom. You want to go to the authority. So, and you know this, you would, you would first consult scripture. Okay, so you have, you have I think you have this uh, 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 spectrum of objective to more subjective. It's okay to say that. We have objective guidance and as, as you can go through this, and it can be more subjective, that we have to be more cautious of. Weigh. We have to weigh a little bit more clearly. So the authority of Scripture is our sole, our final authority. It's inerrant. It's authoritative. We talked about this a bunch. Wise counsel is, I think, so if you're writing these down, Scripture, wise counsel. Um, somebody said, uh, I think, oh, okay, so say you're doing, um, I don't know, uh, uh, I just I should have thought more of more examples um, uh, off the top. I, uh, you, you're, you're confronted with a with a decision that you need to make. You're not sure of um, which direction you need to go. You certainly want to consult Scripture first, um, but it's maybe something that you're not super familiar with. Maybe maybe you've been given. Um, as I have recently been given certain medical diagnoses, and um, you, you're not familiar even with what they're talking about. They're speaking another language to you. The doctors are saying these things. You're like, ah, I don't know what. And you have these options. Maybe they presented you these options. Well, I don't even know what I don't even know what you're talking about. What would be the What would be a source of guidance as you research what your decision might be? Because Scripture may not be talking one to one about this certain medical diagnosis that you have. What would you do? Where would you go? Maybe the elders don't have a, a one-to-one correlation. They don't know. They've never experienced this. How would you help inform your decision? Just use the word. Others who have gone through it. You could use, yep. Others 
Yep, sisters. absolutely. You might know of people within the body who have gone through that that can help you. How else might you inform? Other doctors. Other doctors? I actually do use Google. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. It's no. That's exactly what uh, I was actually going there on this one. You want to research. It's okay, right? You want to be able to research what's going on. Maybe there are differing opinions and stuff that's out there. You, we all do this, and it's okay. But that you don't want Google to be your first search, as though sometimes it is. Um, additional information to read and study. Um, I think we would have some understanding of that here in Luke as you know this parable. Maybe it's... Which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid the foundations, not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man... Uh, began to build and was not able to finish. You know the rest. What king going out to encounter another king does not sit down and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet he who comes with 20,000. Uh, he's considering the cost. It's counting the cost. It's weighing what we have. And so you do need to seek additional information. It's okay. <laughs> we, it, it, this is first and primary, right? And, and godly counsel would be right there. But at some point you do need to seek additional information. Uh, somebody else had said earlier, self, what's my self-understanding? Giftings, the desires that God has given me, the season of life. Maybe you're asked to do, uh, take part in ministry at the church. It's a wonderful opportunity. You believe actually God's given you the gifts to do it. But you're in the season of life where you have four kids under four. <laughs> and you don't have time. You've got you to minister to your family in that way. That's okay. That's a season of life. That's part of what you're weighing. Does that make sense? Um. Changed circumstances is another means of guidance. Changed circumstances. Now, again, this, these, we're moving a little more to the subjective. Can you think of anything in the scriptures where decisions are made based on changed circumstances? Circumcision and food laws. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, the changes of the Old Covenant, New Covenant, those sort of things. I'm thinking of uh, Paul in his missionary journeys in Acts, were there not changed circumstances that sort of uh, led him to make certain decisions? Do you remember some of these? He did. He had a dream. Now, that, that's super. Uh, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, what do we do with dreams? Um, but there were some that were even more, more uh, clear uh, than this. For instance... Uh, Acts 14, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it, they knew of this, they heard this was happening, and they fled to Lystra and Derb, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding, and there they continued to preach the gospel. There were circumstances that were happening in, was that in somewhere in Galatia, and it was a circumstance that led them to make a decision to go this direction. <coughs> you hear Paul talking about an open door to the gospel. I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has been opened to me, and there, are, and there are many adversaries. Wait, the adversaries didn't have him. He didn't make the decision to leave because of the adversaries in that case. A wide door had been made. 
But in 2 Corinthians, he says, when I came to Troas and I preached the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went to Macedonia. So in that case, there was an open door, but these circumstances led him to, to this. Okay? Now, it's subjective in some ways, but, but you see that that's part of the dynamic of making decisions. Changed circumstances. Um, thoughts, questions. Can you explain subjective when you walk by peace? You just said that about Paul, that he didn't have peace about that. And then you said that's subjective. I think that's how a lot of us do walk. Yeah. There is that. I, I don't disagree. I, I, there is that. Um, I think that it is um, being open-handed with whatever it is. And, um, you know, have I, am I, have I been walking with the Lord? I've been walking, in this, walking being led by the Spirit. There, I, I do believe there is, there is that. Um, I've had, but I have had instances in my life where uh, I've, I've made some thinking I've had a certain peace. And I'm going on, and we, we will talk about this at some point, of conscience. What is my, con- is my conscience uh, at peace? Um, and I, sometimes those decisions, I look back, and I'm like, I don't know. Um, so that's where I just get in the subjective part of that. Um, because I don't know sometimes if it's just an oversensitive conscience. Maybe it's not sensitive enough. Uh, maybe it's maybe in this sense, I always want to be checking is my is my peace that I'm talking about? Is that grounded in scripture? Is that is that something that's I'm convinced of because I'm reading it in scripture? Um, and yeah, Paul, in this situation, we don't really have uh, him think him uh, record of him consulting scripture in that case. But um, I would just say that that's part of the, 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 the spectrum of decision-making, that there is um, being led by the Spirit is certainly part of that. Um, i got to quit, unfortunately, but I want to, I, here's what I want to do. I want to finish with wisdom on the ne- our next session, but I want to introduce something new. And this is new, this was new to me when I started studying it. So I'm just going to lay this out there as something that's new that I have been studying and it's, uh, it's, it's because it was in the textbook that I've been using as part of our resource. And it is this. It's certainly as we get into ethical decision making. So here we go. Will, uh, and don't answer this yet. I want you to think about this. Will Christians, truly converted Child of God, will Christians be presented with a decision in which there is no option to choose, uh, but to choose, I'm sorry, I didn't read that right, in which there is no option but to choose what is quote-unquote called the lesser sin? Are you following with what I'm saying? So I, it's like I've been, conver- I've been given these choices and you know, I, I can't see my way through it. My only choice is a bad choice or a bad choice. My only choice is like I, I either have to like be dishonest or I have to do this, and both of them are sin. I, I don't, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Well, Christian, the question is, are Christians ever presented 
with a situation like that, where you have to choose, you hear this phrase, the lesser of two evils, yes. right? Um, there are two views on this. There are two views. There is the view that says, yes, there is that where uh, Christians are presented in certain situations, this dynamic, and it is called, uh, if I can use a big word, hierarchical. So there's sort of this grading of greater and lesser sins. And, and people would say, well, you're confronted with greater and lesser sins. And others, the other view is, is no. There, you know, a Christian will not be confronted in a situation where they only have, they have no option but to choose one of the lesser sins. Okay? So I want you to think about that. Think about that in your own, uh, maybe in your own experiences. We'll, fit, we'll, we'll pick up wisdom again, and then we'll get into this. And um, in other words, let me just give a quick example. Is it better to tell a lie is it better to tell a lie than to betray, <clears throat> betray an innocent life? Okay, so don't answer that yet. All right. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we can uh, we'll be dismissed. Well, Father, we're grateful for uh, this time. We thank you again for your word. Even in Proverbs and where we've been reading, we even see in Isaiah, Jesus Christ, who is our wisdom and our righteousness, who delights in the fear of the Lord, and I pray that we would imitate Christ in that way, that our character would be more conformed to him um, as we are starting to think about making decisions. Bless these here who have gathered. I pray that you would help them even this week. Um, perhaps they may have to think about decisions at work that may be ethical in nature. And I pray that you would give us conviction. You would give us um, help. Give us wisdom as we've been talking about. We need discernment by your spirit that you would guide our thinking to your word. That it would um, help us. Give us guidance. Um, and so we, we ask to, that, to those ends. And then we pray for our next hour here, Lord. Uh, you would really um, bless your people. Uh, by the preaching of your word, by our, by our, in our singing and our reading of scripture, it would be edifying. You would continue to um, cause us to love you more and more uh, each day. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.